Welcome to Young, Black, and Healthy, where we talk about health within our community. We are your hosts, Aisha Williams, Marcia Ekoramadu, and Jonathan Leonard. Remember, it's all for the health of it. Young, Black, and Healthy. Uh, we are blessed to have Mr. David Manning here with us. He is a native of Dallas, Texas, and he is a therapist, and I am very excited to hear what he has to say. Um, he's a black male therapist, which speaks even more volumes to me, because I'm a black male, obviously. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to hear what he has to say about uh, therapy in general, but specifically how he can relate to black men and some of the things we deal with on a day-to-day basis. Um, Marcia, what are you what are you looking forward to? You know what, Jonathan, I am right on the same vibe with you. I think I'm excited to hear the perspective of a black male therapist. I don't think I've ever met one before, you know, like met a, a black male therapist. And so I'm really interested in hearing um, his perspective and kind of his take and um, his wisdom um, because I, I think that it, it's rare. I mean, at least in my experience, it's been rare. Yeah, there aren't very many out there. And I, yeah. David will definitely talk about that. But Aisha, what are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to hearing David's perspective as a black male therapist, um, as well as learning possible takeaways and just just knowledge in general that we can take away for our community, for our listeners, um, and things of that nature. So just learning more about particularly his perspective, like Marcia and you said, um, as a black male therapist, I came into contact with a few, um, mainly because I'm a female, I do drift towards female therapists, um, preferably African-American, but nonetheless female. So I think it'd be, it'd be nice to hear his perspective and his take on things because he sees life through a different lens and then the strategies on how, uh, he helps his clients. So I like that. Yeah. So without further ado, welcome Mr. David Manning. How you doing? How y'all doing today? Man, good. we're good. Wonderful. We're good. We're so happy you're here. Thanks for having Yeah. So for those who don't know you, please tell the audience uh, who you are and how you got into uh, therapy and, and what you're doing currently. Uh, well, I am David Manning, as you guys uh, stated earlier. I am a um, psychologist. Well, I'm in school to be a psychologist, actually. Uh, started my dissertation in the fall. Um, I hold a master's in clinical mental health counseling, working for two private practices as a licensed professional counselor intern. I also have my uh, LCDC. Um, I teach um, two collegiate courses at HCC, Houston Community College as well as do clinical assessments for uh, the Bel Air uh, Hospital of Behavioral Health. Cool. I also have a non-profit, Christian Lessons Inc. I don't know why I say that first. I just said that first. Uh, Christian Lessons Inc. Uh, has that collab where we advocate, educate, and mentor kids in the disenfranchised community. Awesome. So tell, tell the audience how you kind of got into therapy and why you were currently pursuing your PhD in um, psychology? 
Um, I, I value it like um, any other thing in life that uh, kind of makes you passionate about it. You have to kind of believe in it. And we can just take, say that I drunk uh, the therapy team. I believe in therapy. I believe in counseling. I believe in psychology. Um, I often tell my students that even though I have the vocabulary for it, like I may know about theories from Freud, Adler, Erickson, um, everybody to a degree does psychology. Psychology is merely the study of behavior and thought. And everybody thinks we know why people act or think the way that they do. So to a degree, we all like practice psychology. I just, you know, my, my education is just more methodical or systematic. Thank you for that. Uh, that's pretty uh, wise. I think we all at least try and play a psychologist at some point, <laughs> whether we're trying to evaluate why our friends or family members do what they do or even why we ourselves uh, do what we do. And so what are your thoughts on uh, mental health and seeking uh, help with uh, mental health in the African-American community? Why do you think it's such a taboo? Um, for one, um, you know, African-American community is a, is a specific population of people, uh, one which has a specific uh, relationship to the society that we live in, society being in America. And we've always, as a, as a people, kind of kept our business, our business. Um, what goes on in this house kind of stays in this house. And um, we kind of prescribe to the philosophy that, uh, if it didn't kill you, it make you stronger. So we go through a lot of stuff that um, it's a, it's heavy to deal with personally. And because we have a cultural of uh, dealing with it personally or trying to deal with it independently, we kind of despise those who kind of go into the air and try to talk it out. When we really use those same means, just again, not in the most formal context, like we have a best friend, we have a close relationship with mom, dad, grandmom. Like, we use those uh, therapeutic means. We just don't formulate it with insurance or paying for it or meeting the actual person that went to school for it. Yeah, we, we rig it. Uh, we get what we need, <laughs> but from, from uh, alternative means. I appreciate that. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about, again, I'm a black male, and specifically, why is it so difficult for some black men to to come to you to talk about their behaviors, why how, why do you think that's such an issue? Um, that's that's actually a good question. Um, <clears throat> most most people, black men included, don't have a hard time talking about their behavior per se. Um, specifically, men, we have a harder time talking about our emotions. Um, specifically, black men. We have an even harder time dealing with those emotions. Um, and it's the way that we socialize as men. For instance, you take um, two five-year-old kids and a boy and a girl, and they fall off a bike. And when a little five-year-old girl falls off a bike, you pick her up, you kiss her boo-boo, and she cries, and you say that it's going to be better. And then when the boy falls off the bike, you tell him, don't cry like a girl. Like, at, that, at those ages, they both are experiencing inert human emotions. Like, this is just part of being a human. The reason why they both cry is because that is a human experience. But you teach and you socialize the male to, to associate emotion with femininity. And 
accepted, and one way to be accepted as a man is to portray masculine traits. Then you shut off those emotions, at least from the at least from the perspective of expressing them. So we still have the emotions. Like men are not um, um, void of emotions. We just kind of suck at expressing them. And a lot of men, even though we suck at expressing them, we're even worse at uh, verbally relaying them to somebody else. It makes us feel a sense of vulnerability that we just we're not comfortable with right now. Mm. That's deep, man. Mm. Um, so, so with with your clients that you see, what are some things that you do as far as exercises to help specifically black males express themselves um, or get comfortable with being vul- being vulnerable with uh, essentially a stranger in you? Uh, what are some things that you do? And what are some things that the audience can do to uh, be more comfortable in expressing themselves uh, emotionally? Um, one of the things I try to do is create a space for the client to actually be vulnerable. Um, we live in a society where it is, we've always lived in a judgmental society. People are judgmental. It just seems that it is heightened. It, is, it just seems that with the addition of social media that you can be judged more often. And that perception of judgment is a lot for people to take. So initially what I try to do is create a is create an atmosphere or uh, accepting whatever the client says as not cool, not condoning it, but as their story, meaning no judgment. I wasn't there. I don't know why they did what they did. So when they give me whatever it is that they hear for, whatever it is that they mentally think of, whatever it is that they emotionally going through, I just try to accept it and meet them where they are. Too many times, like, whether this is in therapy or church or school or with parenting or with friends, like when people give us their baggage, we try to handle it for them. Sometimes the best thing you can do is just listen. Sometimes people not coming to you for advice, they just need you to listen to them. Now, David, when you find um, with your clients, I know in the African American community, um, church is very big, right? And as Marcia, the question she asked earlier, it was more about um, mental health being taboo in our community. Do you find that um, because we rely heavily on our spirituality and going to church and knowing that, you know, God will take care of it, he'll fix it. Do you find sometimes that can be a roadblock when dealing with some of your clients and even just the vulnerability aspect that Jonathan spoke to with your male clients? Uh, church is definitely uh, a major factor in uh, when I look at it like a coping mechanism mm-hmm. or, or what people do to actually lessen the blow like a bumper. Um, so I definitely respect it in that fashion. Um, people need it. People use it. It definitely holds like a, a utility in our society. Uh, I heard a man a couple years ago tell me, uh, yeah, I used to do behaviors X, Y, and Z that were very antisocial, but ever since he became a Muslim and started practicing uh, Islam, he doesn't do that. So whatever it is that makes your behavior change for the better, for a pro-social society, I'm, I'm with it. The only thing is, you get what you pay for. And I, and I don't mean that to sound facetious, I mean that to be, you know, um, accurate. You get what you pay for. Like psychologists and therapists went to school for this. So if you go to another person, they may not be equipped with like the tools to help you with what you're really going through. Yeah, they can help you with some stuff, but every 
Mm-hmm. Right. So I want to I want to circle back on something you said earlier. Uh, you so when clients come to you, it is a safe space. But we know the world is not a safe space. Uh, you talk about social media and everything. But again, part of the reason we're doing this podcast is because we want to educate. So how can we as, I guess, fellow citizens of one another uh, create safe spaces for people who might be going through something? Because a lot of times if, you know, if we see a man cry uh, in public, we're like, well, what's wrong with him? Um, so how can normal people who have who have not been to school to, you know, be trained as a psychologist, how can we create safe spaces and what are the things that we can look out for so that we're not um, helping people repress their emotions and feelings um, so that they can get better? One of the things you do, like, after you create the safe space, which is just an environment that somebody feel comfortable around you to talk in, they feel like they can freely open themselves up. One of the things you do after that is you actually practice putting yourself out of the situation. As people, we are conditioned to compete. So, for instance, if I say, hey, I'm going to Vegas, and the next thing somebody tells you, oh, my brother went to Vegas. Or if I say, hey, I lost somebody, the next thing somebody says is, oh, I remember when I lost my granny. Mm-hmm. That, that competitive nature, that's the next thing we have to do, like if we want to create a safe space and uh, opportunity for somebody to unload on us, is to get out of the way when they unload. Like, stop putting ourselves in their shoes. Again, sometimes that, 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 that personal disclosure, yeah, that's necessary to be able to relate to somebody and say, hey, I, I've been down a similar path and I know what you're going through. But every time we don't know what people are going through, it's 7.6 billion people in the world. We all have different experiences. Like, one of the things we have to do is get out of the other way of that person's experience. We can't help them tell their story if we try to tell it with them. That's good because that mm-hmm. there's a line there between like having empathy with someone and then also just like oversharing. Like, you can empathize and understand where they're coming from without necessarily trying to pull like you want people to know what you went through like you know it's okay you'll get through this but then that that's very interesting so yeah Aisha I was going to talk uh, touch on that as well I think when at least in my perception when I'm helping a friend through something letting them know that maybe I can understand it from a specific point of view in my mind that kind of helps them be more comfortable but now that I listen to David I think that using that technique as well to kind of remove myself and just kind of say this is a safe space for you to feel uh, whatever you need to feel or say whatever you need to say and it does not have to relate to how I experienced it. Um, I think that that is probably a safer space than to say, hey, I know exactly how you feel right now because I've been through the same thing, which necessarily is not Mm. the case. Absolutely. And so I just, in there, my question is, how do you be empathetic at the same time? Like, how, do, how does how do you get your empathy across at the same time I, removing yourself from the situation? So I actually look at empathy as, like, one of the key ingredients. Like, uh, and I don't want to equate it to love, but let's just use it for the sake of conversation. I, I believe that if you have love or if we have empathy, then you actually develop an understanding for other people. Um, look at love this way. Um, to love a thing is to make the thing become a part of you. 
you always empathize with a part of you. If your fingernail get hurt, if you get a paper clip, if you stump your toes, you always empathize with a part of you. When you when you begin to see other people and when you begin to love other people loving, not loving because somebody can do something for you, not 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 loving them because it's in your best interest, but just loving for the sake of loving, then you appreciate them like a finger, like a heart, like a lung, like a arm. You begin to appreciate them differently because they become a part of you. It begins to be harmful or at least disrespectful to a degree when someone disrespects or harms them because of the extended love of, of, of that source of that connection between you and the other thing. You just gave me the warm and fuzzies. Right. <laughs> <laughs> she got the warm and fuzzies, but it made me think of. <laughs> race relations in this country and I don't want to delve too deep into this but you know you think about black people who typically been oppressed uh, you know the history of the United States and when we say things like black lives matter and we understand that and other people might not necessarily understand that because they haven't had the same experience but when you talk about that giving a great example or analogy of when you empathize with someone and you love them and they're literally part of your body, like if they're hurting, then you should be hurting too. Um, and so when people say they experience like racism or sexism uh, in some cases, um, if you really empathize with them, then you hurt when they hurt as well. So that's just a thought. Um, it's kind of like when your mom stumps her toe, but you feel it, like, in the pit of your stomach, and you're like, oh, my God, Mom, are you okay? You're going to die. You know, like, because you're so connected, you know, mm-hmm. with that person. And, and basically, Jonathan, that, that's what you're saying. Like, when we empathize and the people we love and the people we identify with are going through something terrible, um, we, we feel it in the pit of our stomach as well, and, and we should be, um, we should act on that. Yeah. For me, what interesting about what you just said for me is it's like how do you what's because sometimes I empathize too much I think and sometimes I try to remove myself a little bit to protect myself. So um, I can empathize <laughs> with that too, Aisha. I think I do that too often. Yeah, that, that, that's actually that's So 
one of the things kind of to switch gears a little bit I know that you are one of very few black male therapists um, and soon to be psychologists why do you think that there is so so much low representation uh, for, for black males within the field of psychology and what can be done to change that it's the it's the uh, it's the social identity. Um, you 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 see what you become. Um, you didn't see a lot of teachers growing up. You didn't really want to be a lot of teachers. Like even even the things that uh, black boys subscribe to be, what they don't see a lot of black men being, those are ideal jobs. Like we've had one out of forty forty three presidents, even though it's forty five. Things that one out of forty four forty three presidents black. But Still, black boys have always said that they could be the president of the United States at least once. Um, the majority of the police unit is white. The majority of the fire department is white. But we've at least said that we would want to be there like once. These are because those are like pillars in the society. These are things that you readily see. However, today we more so want to be a rapper, an okay. actor, because those are the people who are successful that look like us. The reason why psychology is not attractive is because who looks like me and does this type of work? Who comes to my school and, and, and speaks to me? Where, where, where are our seminars on psychology? Um, you go to some schools and psychology is a mandatory course in high school. And then you go to some schools and they may not have a library. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So representation matters. Uh, and that's a common theme on our podcast. Um, everyone we talk to, um, that is one of the pillars kind of of the conversation that it's important that our youth and our community get exposed to all of these professions and uh, to give them ideas on what can be, what they can aspire to and kind of the opportunities available to them and, and how they can kind of navigate their lives in any direction that they desire to go as long as they're properly informed. And how do you navigate those paths? Like when 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 we talk about um, like as kids, when we talk about doctors and lawyers, those things seem very far off to us. Like it's it's only we only say it because we're eight, nine, eleven. Like we stop saying that around fifteen, seventeen, eighteen. Like those those things seem very far off to us. So we should also not only be educated on the science and be able to compete in those industries, but we should also be like educated on the path, on the years that it takes, like on the due diligence. Um, because sometimes the lack of that actually sets us up with like a, like a like a false perception of what the reality, what the requirements really are. Like it's a prerequisite to become doctor. It is a prerequisite, a high prerequisite to become nurse practitioner. So um, not only just the education, but also understanding like the curriculum and the, the, the many duties associated with achieving their education. Yeah, that's 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 real, man. Um, like I said, you're one of very few black uh, therapists, soon to be psychologists. So I appreciate you, number one, for kind of blazing the trail. Um, we need more of you uh, out in the field. But I know you have some some other things that you're working on. So tell us about your nonprofit and some of the work you're doing there and how it's impacting the community. Uh, thank you. Uh, actually, Monday, I am waiting on my book to be copywritten. Uh, my book is Arts, Academic,
academic rationality, teamwork, and servitude. It is a character development book. Um, I wrote it because it is a curriculum for seventh and eighth graders in middle school. We hold middle schoolers accountable for um, high character, and but we never teach them that. And I believe to hold a person accountable for something that you never teach is unfair, um, highly unfair. So my character development, I would like for it to be a course every week. Uh, KIPP schools already do character development. Um, I would like for it to be a public school course every week. Hopefully it gets uh, finishes up a uh, copywritten stage Monday, and then we can work on publication. Um, I'm also currently trying to build a library for uh, Houston Independent School. Um, I have like three on my radar, but initially we're working on getting a thousand books by the summertime so we can um, bless the school by the fall. Awesome. And if people wanted to donate books to you, uh, how would they do that? If you wanted to donate books or money, you go to the website, www.fishinglessonsinc.org, and you will have a contact donate page and everything you need right there. Okay, and that's fishinglessonsinc.org? Yes, sir. Lessons with an S. Lessons with an S. Okay. And we'll make sure to link that in the um, description as well. Well, David, thanks again for for participating and, and blessing us uh, with some great, great information, uh, great insight, and uh, yeah, we, we've certainly learned a lot, uh, me and my co-hosts, so thank you. Thank you for your time, David. Thank Anytime, you. I appreciate you guys. We appreciate hey. you. It's been a pleasure. What a great conversation we just had with uh, Mr. Manning. Certainly learned a lot uh, from him, but I wanted to hear what you had to think about the conversation, uh, Marcia. I thought it was a fantastic conversation, tons of little nuggets of wisdom to think about um, and ponder over. I especially liked the part of the conversation where we got into, uh, you know, the socialization of, um, you know, of our children uh, he mentioned his example was you know when our daughters fall off their bikes we hug and kiss and um, take care of the boo-boo but when you know our sons fall off the bike we teach them that they need to be tough um, and maybe not to respond like a girl quote-unquote um, and I think that with his organization Fishing Lessons Inc um, he's working to kind of reverse some of that negative socialization with expressing your feelings as a male and or female I mean um, like he said it's all the human experience and we all should be able to respond um, as ourselves in this human experience and trust that the people we love will accept that um, and so I really enjoyed that part of the conversation um, definitely something that I will be kind of pondering over and trying to work into my life um, and, and promote in the lives of the people I love Aisha, what about you? So for me, I there were two takeaways for me and two things that stood out. The first was when he spoke to, um, you know, when you're speaking with people, some people just want you to listen and to remove yourself from that situation. Um, you know you want to be empathetic, but there's, there's a fine line of doing that and not necessarily trying to one-up, knowing that's not your full intentions, but just being available to people is... Um, to me, that, that was a great pointer. And to, you want people to know that I've been there, that you'll be okay. But just listen. And that's that's all they really need. 
Second, he spoke, um, we, we spoke about him as a black male therapist and you know that, that in that arena, black males are, are limited. There, there's not a lot. So with that being, he spoke too about you become what you see. Um, some, you know, within that, it's like, okay, you want to get these positive influences out to your community so that these kids can know that, okay, there's African-American males who are, whether it's a male or female, who's a chiropractor, who's a dentist, who's a therapist, they're in different type of fields besides sports, um, and rapping so you can do other things but when you don't see yourself it makes it difficult and what I really like is that with his organization's Fishing Lessons Inc he's bringing that to the forefront so those are some of my takeaways from today yeah and, and finally I, I kind of well, I learned a lot um, <laughs> I don't want to go over everything but kind of the key takeaways for me were one representation matters we've said that on this show before but it really does matter if you don't see something, then you're less likely to become it. And he mentioned President Obama. Like before him, there were 43 white males that were president. So the fact that he was there in in the Oval Office and had a beautiful family, uh, that means a lot to little black boys and little black girls. Um, because if you see it, then you can achieve it. Um, and again, I, I'd said this before, I appreciate him being in the field of psychology just because there are so little number of um, black male psychologists. And so it's easier to identify with somebody that looks like you. And so if I'm a little black boy and I'm having issues or behavior issues, or even if I'm a grown man, black male, and I'm having issues, number one, it's already hard enough to talk about those things. And it's even more difficult to talk about those things with somebody who doesn't look like me. Um, I know my primary care doctor is a black male, and that's on purpose. I chose him because he looks like me, so you know there's some sort of identification. He knows what I've gone through. So it's important that uh, the work that he's doing right now, uh, and it's important that more not just black males, but minorities get into fields like psychology because depression is inevitable, um, anxiety is inevitable, all these other behavioral health, health issues are in inevitable, and we need to be able to uh, feel as comfortable as possible, and one of the ways we do that is see people that look like us. So those are my two biggest takeaways. And, and last but not least, I really like the part about empathy um, and incorporating someone else that, if you say you love them, incorporating them into your, your quote-unquote body. So when they hurt, you're supposed to hurt as well. Um, and a lot of times I don't think I do that enough uh, or people in general do that enough. And, and like you mentioned, we, we're always trying to compete. So even if somebody is going through something, in fact, I did it earlier off air with my co-host. She was telling me about something. I was like, oh, well, such and such and such and such. And I, was, I ended up talking about me, so I apologize, <laughs> Marcia. But um, it, was, it was a good lesson. And so that's something I will try to take away and, and not insert myself into other people's problems and just listen. I think that's a big takeaway for me too, Jonathan. And like I said, I mentioned in, earlier in the podcast, in my mind, 
I feel like I want my loved one and my friend to feel like I'm listening and I'm empathetic and I can identify with them. Um, but now, you know, having this conversation, they're probably like, Marcia, this is not about you. <laughs> um, so I think I will approach uh, being there for my loved ones a little differently after this. Absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us, and uh, we hope you have a, a great one. Bye, y'all. Peace out. Thanks for joining us. Click the link in our info box to get more information about our guests. If you liked what you heard, please review us on iTunes and SoundCloud. If you have any questions about today's episode, or just questions in general, please email us at youngblackhealthy at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Young Black and Healthy. Young Black and Healthy is written and produced by Aisha Williams, Marcia Ekoramadu, and Jonathan Leonard. Health is wealth.